0: A great philosopher of the internet once said, Always be yourself. Unless you can be Batman, always be Batman. While neither of us are Terry McGinnis and will likely never be Batman, we can live vicariously through him in his many comic adventures. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. My name's Dylan. And I'm John. Today we'll be covering the Batman evolution story that takes place immediately following the events of No Man's Land.
1: So hopefully we'll get some good continuity.
0: Yay, continuity. We like continuity.
1: All right, so let's jump right into the summary here. Rachel al summons his operative, Whisper Adair, and gives her a flask of a mysterious potion, stating that once it runs out, she will, quote-unquote, feel her age. She takes her trusted assist- associate, Mr. Abbott, and leaves for Gotham. Batman, meanwhile, is battling the various gangs that have come to power in the wake of No Man's Land and the subsequent rebuilding of Gotham. Forced to attend a function as Bruce Wayne, he encounters Whisper. Bruce notes to himself how she makes contact with high-profile individuals at the party before leaving. He excuses himself from the party and dons the cape and cowl, contacting Oracle to have her research the young woman. Bats comes to the Burnley Youth Center, built by one of the gangs, and discovers Mr. Abbott planting explosives. He battles Abbott, who turns into a werewolf type creature and escapes, blowing up the youth center with Batman inside. Bruce escapes the explosion and heads back to the Batcave. The staged explosion leads to an all out gang war, just as Whisper and Abbott intended. Batman analyzes glass used in the bomb and discovers that the explosion was not chemical, but alchemical. Whisper meets with the Chinese mob, presenting herself as one of the celestials of the Tung Shu. The Dilo convinced by a demonstration of her power, swears his service to Whisper. Elsewhere, Mr. Abbott guns down and captures the leader of the Colombian Mafia, as well as the leader of the Odessa Mob. Batman, meanwhile, listens in on a meeting of the Chinese gang leader and the leader of the Burnley Mafia. They agree to align themselves and go to a church where the gang leaders are being held. Batman observes from the roof of an adjacent building and is encountered by Whisper. She distracts him long enough for the Dilo and Burnley Mafia leaders to murder the captured gang leaders. Batman tells Gordon that Whisper ordered the hit and goes to meet the mayor as Bruce Wayne. Bruce pretends that he is there to replace the mayor's suit that he ruined at the function. In reality, he was there to grab a scale from Whisper, which he does when helping her into her jacket. Running it through the Bat computer, he discovers that it is the scale of a King Cobra. Meanwhile, Mr. Abbott receives a large shipment of the potion given to Whisper by Raish. While Batman meets Gordon in his office, Gordon tells him that he hasn't been home in weeks as it reminds him of his wife who was murdered during the events of No Man's Land. Batman reveals that Whisper, despite appearing young, is over 80 years old. Whisper and Abbott distill the potion for distribution, giving the supply to the gangs and providing instructions that no one is to sample the merchandise. After Whisper leaves... Batman enters the hideout and encounters Abbott. Batman is able to incapacitate him and discovers the shed skin of Whisper in the bathroom. Batman injects Abbott with a truth serum, forcing him to reveal their plot, as well as hand over a vial of the potion. Whisper, meanwhile, feeds some of the potion to the Chinese mafia Dilo, transforming him temporarily into a crow-like creature. She and the Dilo meet with the Burnley Mafia head. Whisper reveals that she is going to use the Sicilian mob for distribution to the Burnley Mafia head's distaste. He calls in an anonymous tip telling the police of the drug lab where the potion is being processed, where the potion is being produced. Back in his lab, Batman is able to discern the effects of the potion and realize the scope of Whisper's plan. Whisper goes back to her hideout and Abbott confesses that he was forced to reveal information to Batman. Upset with him, Whisper spits venom into his face, blinding him. Batman meets with Gordon and warns him of what is coming. Whisper, meanwhile, meets with the head of the Sicilian mob and just about convinces him to try the potion when Batman crashes through the window. Whisper and the Dilo's escape has been cut off by the police until the Dilo sprouts wings and begins carrying Whisper away. Batman is able to snag the Dilo's ankle with his grappling gun and tether him to the building. Defeated, the Dilo drops Whisper and she falls to the street below. But when Batman attempts to locate her body, all he finds is shed skin.
0: In an interlude, we are shown Renee Montoya on her birthday. She receives flowers from an unidentified source on her desk at work. She goes to investigate, and the trail leads her back to Bruce Wayne. When confronted as to why he brought her flowers, he confesses that he did it for Harvey Dent, as, he is, as Dent is locked up from the events of No Man's Land. Renee is touched, and she visits Harvey in prison. Batman shifts focus to the bombing of a housing development, In the aftermath of No Man's Land, the people who were able to leave after the quake returned, displacing all those who stayed. The OGs, or original Gothamites, many of whom lost their homes in the earthquake, were kicked out of the surviving buildings owned by the DZs, or deserters, that left and are now returning to reclaim their property. Batman investigates a suspect, Roberto Alonso, who worked for Black Mask during NML, but who has since become a pacifist, rallying for civil rights for those who stayed. Batman watches one of the rallies and spots Francis Piper, a known criminal. Batman enlists Alonzo's help in weeding out the potential bomber. Gordon meets with the mayor, who makes no effort to disguise his dislike for OGs, and he holds a Jim's feet over the fire, telling Gordon that he will be responsible for any further deaths until the case is solved. Batman interrogates Piper and discovers that he is behind the bombing, but under the employment of a third party. Meanwhile, Alonso is knocked out, put in a van, packed with explosives, and blown up at another construction site with anti-DZ propaganda left behind. The mayor is all too willing to pin the whole thing on Alonso, even openly desecrating the man's name in the media after his death, but Gordon and Batman do not believe he was responsible, despite his body being found at the scene of the bombing. Batman runs simulations on the computer and realizes that it would take a demolitions expert to make the building implode in the style that it did instead of explode. Gordon questions the C and E construction heads whose site the one bombed. When it is revealed that they have a hefty insurance policy on their site, Gordon sets up a sting and listens in on a conversation remotely between the two heads. It is revealed that one of the two set the bombs to save the company. The sting is successful and the guilty party is hauled to jail. Back to the first plot, Whisper finds Abbott now blind in one eye and brings him back into the service of Raish Ghul. Batman seeks to bring down Raish for an attempt on Gotham and traces one of Raish's bank accounts to Switzerland, flying off to confront him. Meanwhile, Whisper informs Raish that Batman is going to Switzerland, believing Raish to be at the location. But instead, his daughter Talia is there hiding from Raish. Batman breaks in but finds only Talia until Whisper appears. A fight ensues between Batman and Whisper and Abbott. Whisper gets injured during the fight, while Abbott gets the upper hand on Batman. Talia fakes drowning herself so that Abbott will disengage and rescue her. Whisper commands Abbott to take Talia back to Raish, and he drags her away. Raish admonishes his daughter and orders her to pack, for they must abscond to a more secure location. Talia leaves a note for Batman with the coordinates of an airfield where they will be leaving from. Batman interrogates Whisper, providing an antidote to the potion she consumes, leasing her from the addiction and dependence on Raish. Batman then tracks Talia, catching up to her in the desert. He begins infiltrating Raish's base and stumbles upon the production plant for the potion. Raish brings a trap, capturing Bruce. Whisper appears as well, declaring her allegiance to Raish. Batman is knocked unconscious, but Talia pleads for a chance to win Batman over once more. Raish grants her until the morning, but she knocks Whisper out and frees Batman. He tells her the location of his plane and says he will meet her there. Batman fights his way free of the camp and destroys the potion production with a bomb. Batman and Talia arrive at the plane to escape, but Tali instead rides off on horseback.
1: It would be into the sunset, except it's at night. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I guess I'd be into the sunrise.
0: Into the sunrise.
1: Okay, so that's the end of our summary. We'll jump into our notes section here. Uh, Detective 743, we have some uh, Chinese words here. We have uh, Guailo, which uh, this is ekinzu, that's the dailo. Referring to whisper, and uh, guailo is Cantonese slang term for foreigner that may or may not be derogatory. What I found says it depends on who's using it and how they feel about it. A lot of people use it, and it's not derogatory. Some people do use it kind of like gaijin yeah, in guess. Japan.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it's a you know all the times I've ever heard it was used in a derogatory sense to identify a foreigner and make sure they understand that they are outsiders.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of took it to be the more derogatory meaning in this story rather than the, you're just not a Chinese person. Yes. Um, and then the other word from this one is Haseen. I'm not sure if that's pronounced correctly, uh, but this is, again, Ekinzu. Uh He wonders if Whisper is one of these. And uh, Hasin. In popular Chinese religion is one of a group of benevolent spirits promoting good in the world. So this kind of goes to the uh, that book, the Tung Shu, that was mentioned in the summary.
0: In Detective 748, a uh, van is rented on Minch Street. This is, of course, a nod to the writer Doug Minch. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, definitely. Definitely, I, maybe.
1: I, I'm pretty sure this is this is Doug Minch. I mean, I don't think there's any other Minches mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, that, that came out more funny than I anticipated. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Detective 749, this is the last note we have, and I forgot to look this one up. Uh, there's Huddleston Movers, and I'm not sure if that's a person in the Batman universe or not. I, I kind of suspected it might be, since we had the Mench Street, but I totally forgot to look that up. That is my bad.
0: All right, to the talking points. Uh, as normal, we start off with our bad things. Now, for this story, there weren't a whole lot of bad things, honestly, uh, one thing was the though is the mysticism. Now I know, John, you're not a fan of mysticism or magic in in storytelling of any kind.
1: Not necessarily. Um, I think it. I have to know going into it that it is like a, a wizard type of story, like Harry Potter. I think mean, that's that's mysticism in in some aspects, and uh, I'm fine with that. But that's because that's the basis of that story. I don't particularly care for it in my Batman stories.
0: And I mean, I know you're not a big fan of it in the DC universe in general. You're not a big fan of uh, Constantine. hashtag Save Constantine.
1: Uh, is it going somewhere?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a great show. Everybody should be watching it. The network is toying with the idea of of dumping it, even though it's getting you know moderately good ratings. It's just not getting those record breakers.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of the dark stuff, like Justice League Dark and Constantine, as you mentioned. So fair enough. So, but this, that's just my taste.
0: This definitely has a. Uh, Elements of uh, mysticism, uh, one being the alchemy that we mentioned, and uh, that being the glass that was used for the bomb.
1: Also, I would classify the potion in that sense as well.
0: Yes, it is alchemical, and the elixir—you uh, know—that it's the elixir or drug or potion that infuses animal DNA into its followers. That's never really explored, other than hey, it's racial ghoul, so expect magic, expect mysticism type deal.
1: And the thing is, I'm not, like, against Raish. Like, I'm okay with stories involving Raish and Talia, but about my level, my limit is the Lazarus Pit.
0: Yeah, and Lazarus Pit is definitely kind of a goofy thing, uh, but it's one of those goofy things that's steeped in tradition.
1: Yeah, I think it's more so just the tradition of it that I've come to accept it as, more than anything. I think if I actually sat and thought about what is entailed with the Lazarus Pit, I'm I probably would be like not as not as okay with it. If you don't think about it, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's off in the corner somewhere and pops up occasionally.
0: The other thing, and this is one that I brought up, is Whisper shedding her skin as an escape mechanism. Now we've seen her shed her skin, she sheds her scales. That's how Bruce finds out that she's like part Cobra or whatever it is. But
1: I don't think she was doing that intentionally.
0: No, no. But uh the one that really annoyed me is when the DI Low drops her from a, a very great height, and somehow she sheds her skin, and that allows her to survive. It's never explained, never explored. It's just, oh, hey, look, it's her skin, so she must still be alive.
1: Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, that... I think it... I think we're right to wrap that into the mysticism aspect, because we're not given a scientific explanation. There may not be a scientific explanation. And it's
0: still kind of tied to the whole potion thing.
1: Yeah, it has to be something to do with that elixir.
0: So, Abbott, I mean, at least with Abbott, his blindness persisted. So at least he stayed blind in one eye.
1: I do have one possible explanation for this. Okay. So snakes do shed their skin as just a part of molting and just being a snake. Growing, yeah. So that possibly could be the explanation as to why she's got this ability, and then maybe there's something with wolves or werewolves or whatever Abbot is that gives him some other set of abilities. Oh, excuse me.
0: But it's never really explained or explored, at least in this instance. Um, and I know Whisper makes more appearances going forward as a Batman villain, but at least, you know, this is our first introduction to my knowledge of Whisper Dare, and she, you know, just, it, it's never really explained that. I think that bothers me the most, is, and, and I'm a smart enough guy, I don't need everything spoon fed to me, but for her to survive a great fall by shedding her skin, I think we might need a little more explanation than what was given.
1: I mean, and we're also led to believe that the the this level of follower from Ra- of Raish, um, these devotees or however you want to classify them, are not uh, allowed to use the Lazarus pits. So it can't be that uh, her skin shed, she was still dead, someone grabbed her, took her back to Raish, and he put her in the Lazarus pit. I'm pretty sure it's not that explanation because we're told in this story that The elixir is what they get, not the Lazarus Pit.
0: Yeah, it's explicitly said. So I definitely agree there. You know, that's a bad point. It's something we didn't like. Um, The other thing we don't have, we didn't like, is uh, the filler stories. So in the middle of this gigantic, you know, drug plot, gang war thing going on, which is the main story, Batman takes time out of fighting these criminals and researching to deal with a construction area bombing and deliver flowers for for harvey dent to renee montoya
1: so the flowers one very relatively very limited amount of his time was taken up to do that i'm okay with that one i especially because of what we get that we'll talk about later with uh fallout from no man's land uh but the construction one that is a little bit more of a. I, I kind of gathered from the story that it took about a year because at one point, or at least eight months, at one point they mentioned four months from No Man's Land at the, towards the beginning of the story. And then later they mentioned a year from No Man's Land. So this took place over a period of time. So we don't really know from the time when Whisper disappeared and all, all that was found was her, her skin to the time where uh, Bruce gets on the tail of, of Talia, what he was doing. So maybe he was still searching for clues and it took him that long to find it. And that's when the story picked back up. But it did seem a little bit like he had a much bigger challenge with Whisper and Raish and then just kind of back to kind of what we saw at the very beginning of the story where he's dealing with the crime lords. You know, the street level, more classic uh, Batman stories where he's just fighting criminals and not necessarily villains villains. and supervillains. Um, so it did seem like we kind of took a step backwards there for three issues to deal with the bombing thing, and then we picked this back up. But there might be the explanation of of it took a, lo- a long time for him to pick the trail back up.
0: It could be, but like I, you know, like I've said, it's never really explicitly state- stated. It's just kind of thrown in there, and that's what bothered me. It felt like filler stories, and we had a really interesting story going on.
1: Yeah, and I suppose we could have skipped those in our coverage, um, but. They were still interesting stories. Yeah, I'm like.
0: not not to say that they weren't interesting stories. Um, it definitely tied together a whole lot of the no man's land stuff going on, which we appreciated. So it's not like they're bad stories per se. It's just their placement wasn't the best.
1: Okay, so that that's all I really wanted to say about the the filler stories. Do you have anything? No, I mean, and really, those are the two things
0: you know, two headers we had as bad things. There's quite a bit more good things to be said. So we're going to dive right into those. And the first one. Is the art style, and you know, it's not normal that we comment on the art style. Honestly, I,
1: I know for me particularly, uh, as I mean, comic books are half art, half story. I get that, you know, and I like the the medium. I enjoy reading them, but subtle variations in the art just don't really grab me. Like if it's in a similar, the same uh, DC now, at least in the current stuff, kind of has a house style. Marvel not as much, but DC has a house style. If it's in that same house style, I tend to not really notice, other than just reading the artist's name. That oh, this was drawn by so and so. Like if you put, if you put up um, Jim Lee and and uh, um, George Perez, or or, you know these artists up side by side, John Romita Jr. um, I may be able to tell a few of them apart, but for the most part, I probably wouldn't be able to to tell them apart. It's just it's not what I look for when I'm reading these stories. I'm more focused on the story and the characters and everything and less so on the artwork. But this is a very distinct artwork in this story and it definitely merits commenting on.
0: Yes, it is the, and, and this is something I really appreciate is having Batman done in the noir, noir, noir. So, excuse me, the noir style. And this is very much done in the noir style with, uh, the, with accent colors It's mostly black and white Or it's not really mostly But it's black, white and the accent color Of what's going on
1: It seemed like there was skin tone And an accent color That was the only really color we got Well like so the even the skin
0: tone Like for the issue 743 through 746 The accent color was red So the skin tone was really just a pink It wasn't quite a natural skin co- color skin tone There was some variety to it It was It was all shades of red I, yeah, you could say that. So at, at least that's what I saw it or how I saw it as. So it was all red. In 747, it was yellow and purple. It was blue and yellow for 748 through 749 and green for 750. So it was it was kind of a really cool style. Now, I'm not sure what the uh, colors signified. I don't know if there's really a pattern or a theme or meaning behind the colors. Uh, for the most part, it just seemed like a really cool touch I would have to do a little more researching, honestly, to see what you know if there was a connotation behind the colors. But I, I found it really interesting and really cool looking, at least, and it's something you know I appreciate it being a Batman story uh, that it's done in that noir style.
1: I'm here to pronounce noir for Dylan. That's, that's all I'm here. That's for. That's all John
0: does is he pronounces noir for me. Um,
1: one thing I did want to say is uh, I initially had a theory that the cover color matched the accent color to the book, but that got shot down by the third issue. Um, the first two issue's covers were red, and the last issue's cover was green, but beyond that, they didn't match uh, cover to inside colors, so that theory got shot down. But it was definitely very different for me to see this type of, of artwork, and I do like it. Um, I don't, I've not read Sin City, but it kind of made me think that maybe on a on a larger scale i'm i'm not sure how long Sin City ran but on a larger scale i may not enjoy it as much but on a small scale like we got with this trade um it worked very well
0: yes definitely and you know it's just it, it was such a striking style that it really stood out to us and, and we both i think appreciated that it was so striking and memorable
1: yep and we'll move on to our next point here now we're going to talk about the fallout from no man's land so there were a couple key things in here that that were definitely carryovers from no man's land the first of course being
0: gordon still dealing with the death of his wife uh and he deals with that by completely burying himself in his work this persisted throughout the main story and the uh side stories where gordon is sleeping in his office in a cot he says he hasn't been home and what was it months at this point? He said 2 days. So he apparently yeah.
1: goes home probably just to to do laundry or to re, re uh, refresh his clothing.
0: You know, and that's about the only time he goes home because he as he says everything still smells like his late wife. So you definitely get that very strong feeling of uh fallout and the really deep character of uh James Gordon it really kind of hits you right in the heart.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was really good and realistic i mean we we kind of speculated about that at at the end of no man's land how would this affect jim and it pretty much affected him the way that i was expecting i expected him to get really in depth buried in his work and that's exactly what he did
0: yeah it's a really one i I like that they did that with this character because it seems like the kind of thing that jim would do you know he he's very uh very work oriented and mission focused so for him to deal with his problems by just throwing himself into his work makes sense to me. Or not deal with his or, problems. Or not deal with the problem at all, exactly.
1: One thing I didn't write down, but I did want to mention here, is we do see the friendship between Batman and Gordon quite a bit in this story. I mean... There's a trust. There there definitely is. And also, it seems like... Cause I want to say this was in No Man's Land where Batman kept disappearing on him and Gordon called him out on it. And oh. it seems like... Batman is disappearing on him less.
0: Well, Batman kind of has a history of doing that to Gordon and in general of just leaving in the, at the end of a conversation. In the middle
1: of a conversation. Well, yeah. sometimes, middle, yeah. He's done with the conversation, yeah, but the Batman's, other person's not.
0: Hey, when Batman's done with the conversation, the conversation's done, okay? Um, no, but yeah, he very much sticks around more and talks to Gordon. It, it, there's a more of a parting ways, and that's something I didn't really notice until you brought it up and thinking about it very true.
1: Well, one th- the thing that really set it off for me in this story was there's a point where he does that and Gordon is there with another officer. I don't remember which one. And the other officer's a little surprised by it and Gordon's like, yeah, he does that. <laughs> that was in uh, No Man's Land, right? No, that was in this, oh, this story. Was this one? Yeah. Um, so that kind of brought it back to my attention. Oh, yeah, that's a thing that was mentioned in No Man's Land and Batman hasn't been doing that in this story as much. He did it that one time. But for the most part... They were actually finished with their conversations before Batman took off.
0: They even had like parting words and stuff. It was it was weird.
1: Yeah, and so I I really did like that. I did, I did like that that their friendship is healed, and that Batman honestly he may be doing this because he knows Jim is struggling after losing his wife. So he's doing what he can, albeit not super overt.
0: Yeah, you know he's understanding. At least he he has the empathy.
1: Yeah. So I, I just wanted to mention that. Yep. The next one that that falls under this category is the respectful relationship between Montoya and Harvey Dent. Yeah,
0: there's definitely a, a a growth in the relationship. At the no man's land at the onset of no man's land, they didn't exactly have a good working relationship. It is very contentious. Now there seems to be a lot more repertoire built.
1: Well, I mean the whole we had that whole story in no man's land where Harvey um captured Montoya's family and held them sort of kidnapped, sort of safe during No Man's Land, and then when he tried to put uh, Commissioner Gordon on trial and made Montoya... I believe she was the prosecuting attorney? or no, no,
0: defense attorney.
1: Defense attorney. Uh, And she kind of basically out-attorneyed him and made that deal with him. So the reason he's locked up is because of No Man's Land and, and Montoya, but he respects her because... She did it kind of his way is kind of how I, I see it. He, she, she, beat, she beat him at his own game. Right, that's pretty much what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, so,
0: I mean, it's uh, it's really cool to see, and it brought the Harvey out more in Two-Face. I,
1: I agree, definitely, because this was all Harvey. This was not Two-Face.
0: No, so that was kind of awesome, I think.
1: And I that's why I wrote Montoya and Harvey Dent, because Two-Face wouldn't have this kind of a relationship. A,
0: a very good point, yeah. The next one, and we're going to expand upon this, uh, is the OGs, original Gothamites, the ones who stayed during No Man's Land, versus the DZs, or deserters, who left during No Man's Land and... Came back to reclaim all their property and basically sacrificed very little to nothing.
1: Did now, you have a hard time with these acronyms? Because every time I saw OG, I thought original gangster. Original gangsta. And huh. then every time I saw DZ, I alternated between discovery zone and drop zone. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> drop zone for those not in the f- in the know. Uh, I, I I know uh, John was in the army. You weren't airborne, were you?
1: No, I, I so, never was dropped.
0: I was a, I was a paratrooper when I was in. So drop zone is where you land. And it's a prepared area, in the States at least, where, you know, you, everyone is dropped off over the drop zone from the aircraft and you all land in the drop zone. And Hopefully. Have, ideally. I have stories about that. I'll have to share another time probably. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just where you where the, the paratroopers are dropped. It's a prepared area for the paratroopers to land,
1: ideally. Yeah. So besides the acronyms just throwing me off. It didn't really um, throw
0: me off. I kind of, I got it. Uh, now, for this, I mean, I for me, I think it kind of uh, I showed my hand there with the way I described it, but I'm very much you know this is I, I'm very a, I'm a politically active and aware person, so this kind of you know struck a chord with me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was I want to talk about this and not hopefully ruffle ruffle political feathers, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah.
0: So, um, and and there could we'll go ahead and move on since this ties into it the social policy questions of how this, uh. And you could really make um, draw parallels between this and what happened in, say, Katrina, where people were basically outed or dis- uh, people who couldn't leave an area due to uh, disability or lack of money or what have you got basically stranded when other people were able to leave during a natural disaster. So uh, the first kind of point we have is, and it's a question is does the government help the people who stay rebuild or does it does it let free enterprise buy up these properties and rebuild them their way now the big problem with this is and we saw it not only do you have the big problem in gotham specifically with gangs trying to carve up gotham which is what's happening at the start of batman evolution but also you have these industries like c and d construction who's basically allowing their properties to be bombed to Reap uh, gigantic insurance policies.
1: Well, I wasn't even going at, at that point, but I mean, we saw the very end of No Man's Land with the scheme by uh, Luther to try and buy up a bunch of the property from dead people. I mean, that there's all kinds of.
0: There's so too. It's too easy for it to be exploited, basically. Yeah, it,
1: and it's interesting in this situation because the government forsook the land for a while and then reinstated it. Um, that I think some things fell through the crack. Like normally, like homes damaged, like you mentioned with Katrina, by a natural disaster. Which there was an earthquake before No Man's Land, so that was a natural disaster. Uh, FEMA, the Federal Emergency, what's management. the M management agency? They they would step in and help as far as the rebuilding of those those houses. And it, I just got we did see people step in once No Man's Land was reinstated. We heard about the, the Corps of Engineers and and these relief organizations stepping in but it seems like based on this story that people's houses weren't getting rebuilt and these ogs the original gothamites had like sheltered where they could but now when the dz's are coming back they want their rightful property back and they're ousting these ogs and these ogs have nowhere to go because their house is still destroyed and it seems like from with the bombings that these corporations like Wayne Corp and CNE Industries are taking those plots of land and building stuff on them. Now we're told that uh, Wayne Enterprise is building like low income housing on their stuff, so they're actually helping to get these uh, original Gothamites back on their feet by building places that they could actually afford to live in. But it just seems like there's there, there's like a fall off from what the government probably should be doing, based on how we understand these type of situations to happen in the real world in the United States as of right now. And of course,
0: you know, in the real world in the United States, et cetera, et cetera, we would never cut off a city from existence basically or or you know, just basically say you're you're no longer part of the these United States, you're on your own. It wouldn't happen. But yeah, in that case, the government not only were they not providing the aid that they required, they're also actively preventing Organizations like, say, Doctors Without Borders, from entering No Man's Land by, you know, blocking the bridges, put, instituting its no-fly zone, et cetera, et cetera. So,
1: Yeah, that was while it was going on. But even afterwards, it just seems like something's not quite right with the situation. It seems like these original Gothamites, the ones who owned land, should still own that land, but we're given from the story that they they aren't really treated that way.
0: Well, even if they didn't own land, like say renters who, you know, they lived in a condo or an apartment or what have you. Uh, Of course, Alonzo was uh, the guy who we got introduced to during the whole bombing escapade. Uh, He was an IT guy who basically, after the events of No Man's Land, you know, lost his job because there's no place for him, no more IT positions because everything was destroyed. So he went from being a guy who worked at a corporation. I think he worked at Wayne tech
1: um he did after no man's land i don't they didn't say before okay
0: uh, but you know he he basically lost everything, so it, not necessarily a landowner, but even people who rented are or especially the people who rented are much worse off
1: yes i agree Don't totally agree there the people who rented are much worse off, but I'm not so sure that there is as much the as much that can be done for those people as could be done for people who owned a, a home
0: well and you know like we said, Luther was going in and basically forging uh could you got figure anybody who had a, a lease or a uh, not lease a land deed land deed for, or uh was bought who bought it let's say bought a house and had a mortgage. Now that bank, you know, say like Gotham's first bank, FDIC insured, but is Gotham's first bank, their local bank, gets completely destroyed or raided by mobsters or the earthquake or what have you, and the paperwork gets destroyed. Now they don't own that land. Now that land is just unowned land.
1: Yeah, and that, I'm glad you brought up the banks because, yeah, the FDIC insurance or the NCUA, I believe, is the other one, the National Credit Union something. Yes, yes. Um, Those organizations are in place because it is mentioned in the story that people lost all their their bank accounts. And it seems to me now that probably has something to do with the, the land being forsook and, and cut off from the United States yep. and then reinstated. But if it hadn't been cut off and reinstated, then the FDIC insurance or the NCUA insurance should have, because it goes up to a certain amount of money, and most average people don't have that that much money, so they should get all their money protected by these these uh, insurance. But if the federal, entities for the banks, but their uh, national
0: level or federal level insurance, correct?
1: Yes, but I don't know any bank or credit union that doesn't comply and and isn't a member of them true
0: but if the like i said let's take a local credit union or local bank that isn't you know nationwide it's not your bank of america or your chase or what have you it's like gotham first or gotham credit union earthquake happens no man's land is instituted they're no longer beholden or they're no longer protected by the federal system they're now completely cut off
1: yeah, I think, I think this all has to do with no man's land is why we have this situation. But it seems to me that once you reinstate the, the city or the, the county or whatever they, they cut off, that all those things should go back into place.
0: Those protections should be in place if we are living in a moral and just world. However, you know, just with any sort of uh, big, big industry, big you know, government, what have you, if they can find a, uh, if they don't have to, they won't pay money back. You know, it's, that's it's the way frustrating. The it's frustrating. Yeah. Is that that not the way of the world? You know,
1: but normally that's more something from like insurance companies that are that are privatized, not true the government.
0: True, and the government would be would be beholden to help its citizens. And I don't know how the FDIC or the other one you mentioned, the credit union one, work because I'm not that
1: smart. Right. Yeah, I, I just – I've heard – I think the value is, is either a hundred or $200,000 that you're insured up you're, to. You're,
0: you're insured as an individual. Yes. But like I said, if the, the bank – if no man's land's instituted, Gotham's no longer part of the United States. They're no longer protected by the federal insurance.
1: I mean I realize this topic while – important isn't something that translates well into a comic book story and
0: it's it it, i i almost want to put that this part is a bad part just because it's so hard to translate into a comic book because it deals with so many big concepts that are very hard to understand and pretty much need a doctoral degree in finance and financial law to understand
1: uh i mean i think we understand the the gist of it and i think I think the mention of it makes it into the good things that it's not just completely ignored. But I think you're right as far as it's not explored deep enough. But also, I think that's really difficult to do.
0: I mean, it's like, what was it, the second Star Wars, uh, Star Wars Episode Two, where they went yeah. into the whole galactic law thing, that, was, uh, their, that whole scene
1: uh well i mean the the first and the second one yeah. episode one and episode two have a lot of uh politics and trade and
0: yeah galactic trade law, which is just mind numbing
1: yeah well, that 's a lot of people 's complaints with those movies <laughs>
0: so you know i I can understand why they didn't want to go in deep, but it's also you you, you either go in deep or you don't go at all for that but uh, let's talk about the social implications here if you if you'd be so kind what do you mean by that? You have the original Gothamites, who sheltered in place, like you said, who have nowhere to go to, and you have the DZs going and coming back and reclaiming what was their property at the onslaught of no man's land, but having zero sympathy for the OGs. Even the mayor is a DZ, and he just spits upon the uh, OGs. You have the uh, C&E company, who out and out says when they're brought down, the, the head of the C&E, that hey, they're just, oh, yeah, a guy died. who was completely inadvertent, but who cares? He's just an OG. It's not like he was a real person. So you have a very, uh, they they touch on a lot of these very kind of perceptive class problems, where you have the DZs, which are more affluent, better off. They're able to leave. They had the money to and capital and ability to get out, versus the OGs who didn't have the money or the Ability to leave Gotham.
1: Yeah, I, so it's I definitely very much a, class,
0: a class struggle.
1: I definitely agree with you on that because I think that's primarily what we're seeing is non-sympathetic, very affluent people who are the ones saying, uh, "I don't care about the OGs." You know, it's it, it's it's like the. I don't want to talk about anything in the real world that I think kind of parallels what we're seeing with these people who are. Obvious And very overtly, which I think is part of what the writer was going for in the story, very overtly anti-OG and basically saying we don't have to do anything to help them after what they've been through. We just want our stuff back and want them out of the way. I don't want to make comparisons in the real world to what might be similar to I, that. I,
0: I can, but I'll hold off for your sake.
1: But I, what I do want to say is we saw at least one one of these affluent people... Working to help the OGs, and that was Bruce Wayne.
0: I was just about to say, and Lucius Fox, technically.
1: Talk about uh, and Lucius
0: Fox, technically.
1: Yeah, so the Wayne Corporation was very much helping the the OGs, as as uh, Mister Alonzo said. where giving him a job, uh, although not paying, just not charitably. I mean, he was capable of doing the job,
0: and they
1: even mentioned that
0: uh, Wayne Court was paying decent wages too.
1: Yeah, and building the low-income houses as a housing, as I mentioned earlier. So, I think it really just speaks to the type of people more so than anything. Is just that the people that we saw in this story, for the most part, the C and E people, the mayor, they just were not sympathetic to the plight, the less fortunate's plight.
0: All right, so that's enough political stuff. Let's move on.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, let's talk about Rayshawn Ghoul. Uh now one thing that he uh that that we get to see here is that we all have our addictions. Whisper's addiction is not to the the potion that Raish gives her, but to Rais himself. She says she doesn't work for al Ghul. she serves him, and there's a distinction there. Uh Raish's addiction, of course, is the Lazarus Pit, Talia to Batman, and Batman to his holy quest.
1: So so what I wanted to talk about here was primarily what is what is Batman's addiction?
0: Well, it's easy to say that it's his holy quest. He his addiction is his his quest to eliminate crime.
1: Is he, that is that what he's trying to do?
0: Well, you know, and you can talk about how he's just going around beating up mentally ill people. You know, we could we could. Have I, that, I wasn't even going there. We could but. have that discussion, but uh, you know, he's he's putting he's his holy quest, as they put it, is to try and save the people of Gotham and prevent. What happened to him, basically, from happening to them through combating crime?
1: Yeah, I would say that his quest is the protection of Gotham.
0: Yeah, so uh, it, protection of Gotham by eliminating crime or fighting crime, which is a losing fight, of course, but it's a noble quest.
1: Well, thankfully for those of us who like to read stories, it's a never-ending quest. Yes, I uh, mean, if if you were somehow it. to make a utopian city, which I mean, you can—that's a whole other discussion of if you can even have a utopian city. Uh, but if he somehow were able to do that, what would he do?
0: At that point you know, at that point Batman would die. Um, you know Batman
1: would die or or Bruce would die. See,
0: that and that's a very important distinction to make and it's a very interesting conversation. Because Batman, as we know, uh even in the Batman Beyond cartoon series, he says that he doesn't call himself Batman or he doesn't call himself Bruce Wayne in his head. He calls himself Batman. He is Batman.
1: Bruce is the uh Facade. Bruce is,
0: Bruce is the facade. Bruce is the alter ego to the Batman. So we could say that Batman would die and Bruce would have to would be lost basically or Bruce Wayne would die because he'd have no quest. I I guess I'm saying the same thing twice there because what is Bruce Wayne? Well, I
1: don't think you're saying the same thing twice. So if Batman were to die and Bruce were to have to change focus, he could still be productive as a business leader or some other um pillar of the community
0: philanthropist or what have you right like Playboy maybe a billionaire in, philanthropist
1: maybe in the uh, bill gates type of type of uh, role cuz he's no longer running his his company on the day-to-day operations but he's still being a philanthropist he's still involved with his company bill gates is batman <laughs> not not i'm not saying that but i'm, I'm saying, saying that it. bill gates is batman <laughs> okay um <laughs> I'm saying that he could reinvent himself, is what I'm saying. Or it could go the other way, where he feels lost without his main purpose as the Batman. And, yeah, he just kind of shuts down and ages very quickly and dies.
0: And uh, like we had in, uh, was it the second Bat- Christopher Nolan Batman movie, where Batman's sad, so he locks himself... No, it was the third one. He, he, Batman was sad, so he locks himself away for eight years.
1: Yeah, not like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Or or there's another option. Batman becomes a policing force uh, that basically patrols without crime just to prevent any further crime. You'll never not have crime, basically. There's, you know... The hypothetical ut- utopian society... Yeah, it is conceivable that there's zero crime or zero want or need for crime, but as long as there's mental illness, as long as there's people who go wanting, there will be crime. So, there's always going to be a need for Batman. Now you know, I, I i can't imagine bruce wayne just withering up and dying i can't imagine him also putting away the batman uniform even though he's talked about it in the past he talked about it during uh the events of what was it when azrael took over oh nightfall nightfall thank you he talked about the at nightfall when he fell in love with the one lady who got you know kidnapped or had the superpowers uh he, again
1: with the mysticism
0: again with the mysticism although superpower superpowers not magic uh
1: I don't know. It seemed pretty much like magic to me.
0: <laughs> the X Men are not magical, and neither is Superman. So, you no, know, it, it's one of those things where he even considered putting away the cowl and letting someone else, take letting Azrael take over full time. Basically, if Azrael hasn't hadn't gone completely insane, he would have been okay with letting As take over as Batman and just being Bruce Wayne and living out his life. So, it's not unheard of for Batman to be willing to put away the cape and cowl, at least in that one instance.
1: Yeah, I mean, and also. It was age primarily, but we saw in Batman Beyond where he wasn't – he kind of went into the Oracle type of role.
0: Yeah, so he's, I, I don't think – even even if he was no longer Batman of Gotham, he very well could take over as an Oracle type role for the Justice League or another city or another superhero. He would There would never be a time where Bruce Wayne stopped fighting crime and stopped fighting basically.
1: Well, I and I, I'm i not saying that he would if there was still something to be dealt with. I was just kind of referring to the the utopian world that we know can't really happen, especially not in, in a medium like this where you have to keep publishing stories for these characters. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about about other people's addictions? I mean, it was kind of interesting that you kind of had a double addiction with Whisper between the Elixir and then also her, I don't know what you would call it, is it? Towards Raz, uh, loyalty. Is it just loyalty, or is it? It, it seems more like more cultish, on, more cultish or religious devotion.
0: Well, I mean, you know, to his holy mission, which is to Ra- Ra's al Ghul's holy mission, really is to to get rid of all crime as well. He just goes through it in a much more totalitarian uh, fashion, where he's like, "Okay, we'll just burn Gotham to the ground. There will be no more crime in Gotham. If there's no Gotham, there's no crime in Gotham."
1: Except he's not limited just to Gotham. Well, no, I I know. I was just using an example. Oh, okay.
0: If you burn the world, there's no more crime on the world.
1: Yeah, and there's also no more people.
0: Hey, then there's no more crime. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we got to see that. uh, I don't know.
1: I've seen cats steal food off the table.
0: (laughs) You've seen that at my house. Um, Yeah, so we definitely... I don't know if it was necessarily an addiction to the potion beyond the fact that it granted immortality. I can't really say that the...
1: I mean, they, they said numerous times that the stuff was addictive.
0: But is that by nature of the potion or by nature of, you know, something that they're adding to it? Because you had Abbott, you had the Dilo, you had Whisper, who all, I mean, Whisper didn't seem to have an addiction beyond the fact that it granted her immortality. Well, <laughs> and, and even at the end where, he, where Batman was trying to figure out where Ra's al Ghul was, or t- yeah, where Ra's al Ghul was, we had Whisper crying as he was pouring out the potion. But I, I'm not fully convinced that it wasn't her playing Batman.
1: Oh, that definitely was her playing Batman. So, I, have, I have no no doubts ab- about that. But I don't feel like her and Abbott's potion was significantly different than what they were trying to peddle. And what they were trying to peddle, we were told so many times, true, was, it was very addictive.
0: addictive. Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong there. So, I mean, yeah, it's probably addictive, but...
1: I mean, I get the the poetry of what Raish was saying Yeah, with her addiction is me, my addiction is Lazarus Pit, my daughter's addiction is you, and your addiction is your quest. But I think there's also kind of a double addiction with Whisper, which is kind of interesting that she's addicted to the elixir and addicted to serving the demon's head.
0: Yeah, and very well could be. And of course, we see Talia's addiction, even being mad at him, even being infuriated with him she was willing to help him and said that her love for him does not stop
1: uh, maybe it's just my taste but i have yet to find a batman love interest that i like like i don't particularly like the batman catwoman love story and i really don't like the batman talia love story because it just seems forced uh, i forced might be the right word i'm i'm not sure just she seems very Self- weak weak i mean to me like it seems like at some point she would not continue to pine after someone who everyone knows isn't ever going to Surf be Ra's. with her.
0: Well, not necessarily be with her. I mean, obviously, they, they had a child together.
1: But, I mean, relationship-wise, be with her. I mean, you can you can hook up, and that can lead to a child.
0: Yeah, but, well, like, you have... There's obviously something there, but the fact that she serves Ra's al Ghul and the fact that all of her attempts to woo him have been trying... in. Duplicate, or uh, duplicitous in nature where it's, yeah, she wants to, she loves him. She's in love with him, but she also wants him to fall under and serve the demon's head.
1: At some point you just got to realize that's never going to happen. Let it go. Yes. That too.
0: Yeah, I agree. And now the Catwoman, we can talk about another time. I yeah. Think.
1: Let, let's, let's table that for another time. I yeah. was just saying that I, I don't feel like I've seen a love interest of, batman not necessarily a love interest of bruce that could be a totally different yeah that's
0: a whole nother discussion
1: <laughs> but a love interest of batman where i've enjoyed um and i have enjoyed certain like i enjoy the the nightwing oracle relationship relationship so it's not that i that i dislike superhero relationships and i like the green green arrow black canary relationship so it's not that i dislike superhero relationships it's just batman's particularly that just Kind of rub me the wrong way.
0: He, he's, he seems like he'd be extremely hard to make a match for as well, though. Yeah, yeah I definitely so. agree with that. So I think that's all we really have to say on the uh, the points. I guess that leads us to the rating. How many? Uh, what did you think of the story?
1: Um, I really like this story. So um, I, the art, I mean, everything we've talked about. I really like this story. We had a really good discussion out of it, which is great. Um, so I would say I would give it a four and a half out of five batterings.
0: I uh, I was a little harsher. I definitely enjoyed the story. Don't get me wrong there at all. But I think the mysticism kind of threw me off. The placement of the middling stories, even though I enjoyed them, was just odd. And it kind of took me out of the story and the momentum of reading it. So I gave it a four out of five batterings.
1: Okay. And normally we round down when there's an odd number. For some reason, they don't give quarters. So <laughs> yeah. the uh, overall rating for between us is four out of five batterings for this story.
0: Definitely worth a pickup, definitely worth reading.
1: Indeed. It's a a trade paperback, so you should go grab it and enjoy the story as much as we did.
0: If you'd like to leave us feedback on this story or any questions you may have, post those on the page for this episode at www.thebatmanuniverse.net.
1: While visiting thebatmanuniverse.net, be sure to read up on the latest Batman news covering comics, movies, television games, and merchandise. And also, while you are there, be sure to check out some of the other podcasts that are offered on the site, like the Comics Cast, Everybody Loves the Drake, and Batgirl to Oracle.
0: If you'd like to hear more of what John and I do, you can check us out on our other podcast, Arc Reactions Podcast, at arcreactionspodcast.blogspot.com.
1: All right, and now we will leave you with the credits for this story
0: uh, Detective Comics, 743 through 750, which is April through November 2000. The writer was Greg Rucca.
1: The artists were Sean Martinborough for 743 to 746 and also 750, Uh, John Watkiss for 745 and 746,
0: Williams Rosado, 747, and Phil Hester for 748 through 749.
1: The editors for this book were Joseph Illidge was the associate editor and Dennis O'Neill was the main editor. Thanks for listening.